When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. The following episode of America the Podcast is based on historical events. This episode may contain descriptions of violence as well as triggering sounds like gunfire and cannon fire. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. This season of America the Podcast is brought to you by Real American Unions. Hey there, friend. You look, well, tired and is... Is that a bottle of pee in your hand? Gross. What's that you say? The mega corporation that owns the factory you work for won't give you proper bathroom breaks. You say that you're overworked and underpaid. Well, who have I got a solution for you? Introducing Real American Unions. With Real American Unions, you can safeguard your human dignity from that bullish boss of yours. Yes, you can have guaranteed health care, a living wage, paid overtime, legal representation and work-related matters, and much, much more, all for the low, low union due that most people would say is, well, obviously worth it. What's that you say? Unions are communist and un-American. You say that communism failed in Russia and thus unions don't work. Well, that's like, I don't know, throwing away your television just because the batteries don't work in the remote. That's kind of stupid. Where the hell did you get this information? From a sign in the employee bathroom that your company put up that says union dues will make you go broke? Well, it kind of sounds like your company should pay you more instead of wasting paper on pointless signs, which is exactly what a union would help make happen. Don't believe me? Well, what if I told you that your boss views you as a number and would replace you hours after you were killed by a robot on the warehouse floor and likely be replaced by that very automaton? Still don't want to pay that union due, huh? Well, fine. That's your right as an American. For the rest of the American workforce who are tired of being taken advantage of by their employers, please try Real American Unions. Future generations of laborers, i.e. your children, will thank you for it. That's Real American Unions, available wherever freedom is sold, except for Amazon.com, of course. Previously on America, the podcast. Which wire do I cut? I don't know. These people are going to die, man. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the blue one. Wrong one. It's gonna blow. That's not what happened at all. I'm pretty sure that's exactly how the last four years went. At least it felt like a countdown to destruction. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wait, how did you get my voice? I hired a voice actor on Fiverr. Your whiny voice is surprisingly easy to imitate. I then drugged you and convinced you to edit the audio. God damn it. Again? Whatever. Um, so, what have you been up to while we've been off? 
Well, let's see. I visited each of my 208 homes and yachts. I purchased a lake up north called Lake Erie, mostly because I'm a huge fan of the show Erie, Indiana. And I attended the Illuminati's memorial service of Prince Philip. Oh yeah, how was that? The service itself was held inside the Great Sphinx because, you know, tradition and all. I saw some old friends, both ancient and regular old. As for Prince Philip, well, he was delicious if you're wondering. Not as good as George H.W. Bush, but Philip was still pretty tender. Oh, and a word of advice, I bigly recommend a little habanero sauce when eating Greek people. Wait, you eat your members when they die? Of course. How else would we absorb their essence? Huh. So Alex Jones was right. Well, not about the baby-eating thing. We're civilized and only eat dead adults to gain their power. But yes, he's mostly correct. Partially because he's a CIA disinformation agent, but he's also crazy and it would take a crazy person to come up with most of the things the Illuminati does. Yeah, that, that tracks, I guess. Um, anything else? Well, I went to Georgia to lobby against the new voting laws. When the law still passed, I convinced all of my billionaire friends to pull their business out of the state. Lesson learned for the Georgia GOP. Fuck around with me and the American right to vote, and you will indeed find out. Then all of the other states passed similar laws anyways, so... Yeah, not a good time to be a voter. Oh, and I got vaccinated. But you're like 200-something years old. Weren't you qualified outright to get the shot? Also, didn't you and the rest of the 0.01% get vaccinated for COVID-19 last year? Of course. I was vaccinated well before any of you pores. No, I was vaccinated for COVID-24. What the hell is COVID-24? Uh, you'll find out eventually. Great. Well, meantime, are you ready to start the show for this year? I guess so. Awesome. Here is your rapid-fire news script... Right. Uh, okay. <clears throat> uh, right. Okay. <clears throat> you could do this. Um, these days the news can come at you as fast as, um, uh, as fast as, uh, as fast as, uh, I, I can't do it. It's not the same since Donnie left. But he's still around. Yeah, but who cares? His Google searches are at an all-time low, and he's starting to make up fake awards for himself, all while living at his own resort. I went out there recently to use up the last of my Bigly-level member points and saw him crash a wedding to talk about his voting numbers, and it wasn't even the first time he had done it, apparently. To put it in his own words, it was, quote, sad exclamation point, end quote. My point is, Donald Trump is so, uh, last presidency. And yes, while Joe is flawed, I'd rather not dedicate my most important show to either of those two geriatrics or to whatever political kerfuffle pops up in these United States. At least for now. There is more to the bigliest and bestliest of countries than its politics. Although I have a feeling Senator and pile of worms in a human suit Ted Cruz will piss me off at some point. I mean, I get it, man, but like... There's still a lot of shit going on. We still have kids in cages, tensions between Israel and Palestine are, are continuously escalating, and like you said, voting rights are being taken away from hundreds of thousands of people at an exponential rate. 
You can't just stay silent. Uh, that's the GOP for you. If they're not fangirling over Israel, they're rigging the voting system. See? Right there. You still got it. Fine. I will concede to do rapid-fire news on our Instagram page, at America the Podcast. But I still hold true that America is more than its politics. Okay, then what do you want to do? No idea. Dude, you can't... You can't just say you want to change your show and then not have an idea on how to change it. I'm the embodiment of America, a country that tends to smash things without a clear resolution. God, you're frustrating. <clears throat> is this how you were at the beginning of the country? That's it! What is? I'll tell the greatest story ever told. The birth of Christ? Nope, not at all. Star Wars? Wrong again, but great movie nonetheless. No, this season on America, the podcast! I will tell the most important story in all of the world, nay, in all of America. My story. Oh, dang, that's actually not a bad idea. Um, okay, yeah, I'm down. Um, let's start from the beginning, maybe? Works for me, as that is usually where stories begin, unless you're George Lucas, of course. Yes, I would love nothing more than to talk about myself for the next three, maybe even four, seasons of America, the podcast. Well, we'll see if people dig this season first and go from there. Uh, you ready to start? I was born ready. When were you born, exactly? Well, I invite you to... <clears throat> find out tonight on America, the podcast! Ah, it's good to be back! Uh, okay, let's begin. Um, so, when were you born, exactly? Well, I've always liked to keep it vague and keep people guessing, but it's been long enough. I was born on July 4th, 1736, in Boston, Massachusetts. So, not in 1776, like you had said. Correct. I just said that to seem younger, but once you reach 200, people stop considering you a young person. I was born a normal, yet still magnificent person, before being reborn and becoming the embodiment of an only hope for America on July 4th, 1776. It was a weird 40th birthday, to say the least. How did that happen? Well, if told in order, the actual story of how I became the demigod you see and the American people here and sometimes see would literally make your head explode. Jesus, seriously? Oh, yes. I've inadvertently killed two people that way. One was Hitler and the other was Osama bin Laden, so no loss there. A net gain, in fact. What I can tell you is that through the magic of America, I have been involved in every notable event in American history. Simply put, I am not just the embodiment of and only hope for this great land and its people. I have been tasked by the old gods and the new to be America's witness and protector. Yes, I have proudly served as messenger and guardian, or as I prefer, lobbyist, for the past 246 years. In exchange, I received my immortality, a membership into all of the cool secret groups, including the Babysitter's Club, very proud of that, as well as an untaxed salary of a million dollars a year from the U.S. Treasury Department's secret spending fund. So the American people pay your salary? Oh yes, it's in the Constitution. No, it's not. 
Oh, I mean the constitution the Freemasons made. It's the one that supersedes the norm... You know what? I probably should not say any more. Right. Well, okay, as for the story, when did the revolution begin for you personally? I guess uh, pre- or post-magical transformation and untaxed salary? Well, for starters, the revolution and the war were two separate things. Most people like to lump the two together, but the revolution simply led to the war and still existed well after it had ended. As for the beginning, well, that started when goddamn King George came for my money with all those goddamn taxes. Irregardless of those dastardly taxes, America had no representation in Parliament letting goddamn King George take my hard-swindled money without me and my fellow colonists having a say in the matter. We had the sugar tax and currency tax of... 1764, uh, the Stamp Act and Quartering Act a year later, I believe, and uh, the Townsend Acts of 1767. Now, if those had been the Pete Townsend Acts, I wouldn't have cared as much, but alas, Pete would not be born for another 150 years. Worth the wait. Needless to say, the long list of American grievances goes on and on. Why did the crown... Bup, bup, goddamn King George. Right. Uh, why did goddamn King George impose all of those taxes? Well, he claimed it was to pay for the Seven Years' War, but I don't buy it. I mean, sure. Did he send in troops to defend the colonies from the French? Yes. Did he provide supplies to the colonies that were affected by the war? Obviously. He was a vain, conceited asshole, but he wasn't a monster. Did losing the Seven Years' War piss off the French enough to help America defeat the British and gain their independence, which later inspired the French Revolution? Totally. But should we have had to pay for any of that? Reflecting back, well, eh, probably. But we never fully did, and we never will. Really? Indeed. America still hasn't paid back any of its debts from the Revolution or any other war. Someone, and I'm not saying it was me, but someone told the United States government that we could just borrow from other countries and say we'll pay it back later. However, one thing led to another, and, well, now we're trillions in debt all over the world. Yeah, that tracks. So, it was just the taxes that led to the revolution? These weren't just taxes! They were collecting taxes on my home that I already owned, and they were doing the same thing to all of my rich friends, too. So you mean, like, property taxes? What the hell are property taxes? Do you not pay those? Well, I don't really do the whole tax thing. I leave that to people like you, the poors. Although I might jump on board with Bezos with this whole uh, infrastructure thing Uncle President Joe's got going on. Well, let's, <laughs> let's see if that statement holds up in a few years. God knows our bridges won't. <laughs> yes. Uh, where was I? Ah. I was complaining about goddamn King George and his tax on my houses, ranches, compounds, that personal vacation territory I had that became Ohio, and, not to mention, the real stick up everyone's ass, the tax on tea. What did you end up doing about them? Some of them were repealed by the courts, and some were outright ignored, but only after several acts of resistance. To put it simply, the blood of the rebellion was boiling, specifically my blood and that of my countrymen. Well, the rich white landowners with a bottom line to lose, that is. Yes, tensions were perpetually elevated between the British soldiers and the colonists. Take the Boston Massacre.
Our story begins in Boston in March, 1770. I was with my friend- What the fuck is that? What are you talking about? It sounded like... I thought... I thought I heard... people. I think you've been in quarantine too long. May I continue? Yeah, okay, sorry. Very good. Our story begins in Boston in March, 1770. I was- There it is again! Would you just shut the fu- Oh, wait. Ah, yes. I just remembered this is a side effect of my storytelling powers. Whenever I regale people with stories from my past, me and those I'm with are literally transported back to the date and time the story takes place. Whoa, cool. Wait, can they- can they see us? No, but we can see and hear them. They can smell us, though, but everyone stinks so bad in this time period it shouldn't be an issue. Plus, we're in Boston. The whole place smells like clams and unwashed private parts, even back in 1770. That said, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Just a little weirded out. As you should be. Now, Boston, 1770. I was pub-hopping with my friend Crispus Attucks, a free man of African and native descent. There were only two pubs in Boston at the time, so we were just going back and forth, getting drunk between the two. Later in the evening, we decided to go snag some beers from our friend and the only drinkable revolutionary, Samuel Adams. While walking to Sam's place, we passed by a British soldier. Trying to be cordial, I greeted him, and his response was to tell me to eat my own butt. I have a hard time believing a distinguished British soldier said that. Oh yeah? Just wait for it. Good evening, good soldier. Eat your own ass, you calling his shit. Uh, very well. Let's go, Crispus. Whoa, this storytelling thing you can do is weird. Yeah, but it's pretty cool though, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Indeed. Anyways, while I tend to be the bigger man, I wasn't going to let that slide. As we passed the soldier, we came upon my wig maker's shop. I saw his apprentice outside and told him that if he were to start shouting obscenities at the soldier, he would receive a silver piece. Two if he made the man cry. Fun fact, I ended up billing the United States government for the two silver pieces after the fact as a cost of war. Of course you did. We continued walking and both of us started laughing as we heard the obscenities start flying. Oh, your mother likes the king's asshole, you stupid lobster! <laughs> <laughs> After reaching Sam's house and drinking for a bit, we told him what had just happened and that made Sam go from 0 to 100. Well, this was 1770, so 0 to 20, I guess? With Sam worked up and the three of us drunk off our collective asses, we set off to sing anti-redcoat songs and stroll through town. While walking, we came across the soldier and the wig maker's apprentice. As we walked up, we heard the apprentice call goddamn King George a shit made of vomit and then saw the soldier butt the apprentice with his rifle. King George is a shit made of vomit! Jesus, that's gross. It was a gross time. Most people only bathed once a week as it is. Not me, of course. I had indoor plumbing before it was a regular thing and paid top pound for it too. Yes, I bathed every day. Still do, except now I have a shower that works with Alexa. I had one back in 1830 as well, but that was just a shower that was hand-cranked by a paid servant named Alexa. Goddamn King George tried to tax my water usage too. So what if I wasted hundreds of gallons of clean, boiled water every day? It's not my fault someone hadn't invented the water purifier yet. Hundreds of gallons? 
How much do you shower? Twice a day, but the shower is so big it doubles as an artificial waterfall. It's a rich person thing, you wouldn't understand. Where was I? Ah yes, when we saw the boy go down after getting hit by the soldier, Sam ran to help him up while I went to alert the townspeople. How'd you do that? I rang the church bell and started yelling fire, obviously. See, there I am. Over 200 years later, I would do the same thing in several movie theaters, earning me the nickname Band for Life from the Alamo Draft House. But I digress. People came running to the streets thinking there was a fire, until the wig maker's apprentice told them what had happened. Crispus, as brave as his name is awesome, rallied a mob to surround the soldier who had run back to get help from his compatriots. And I will stop there momentarily so I can make money off of you, the listener. So feel free to Venmo me $1 million directly at your leisure. We'll be right back after these messages. It's America, the podcast. America, the podcast is brought to you by American Infrastructure. American Infrastructure, you better get across that bridge quick. And we're back with my tale of my very own experience of the Boston Massacre here on America, the podcast. Now let's see, where was I? Ah, yes. As I was ringing the church bell and shouting fire, Crispus Attucks was leading a mob of people to surround the soldier who had himself tried to run for help. His redcoat comrades, led by Captain Thomas Preston, came out to the soldier's defense as the crowd, armed with wooden rope-making clubs, gathered around the soldier. After my magnificent bell-ringing arm grew fatigued, I myself joined the crowd. Keeping in mind I was still bordering on, oh, blackout drunk, I started telling people in the mob to throw snowballs at the soldiers. I was also still laughing and yelling fire, which I did not realize the crowd would, uh, also start to shout. Oh, Jesus, you didn't. Yes, well, upon hearing the crowd mimic my words and noticing the Redcoats had their guns pointed at the crowd, I decided to move and get behind the soldiers for safety. As I walked down the alley behind the soldiers, still laughing loudly, I, uh... Well, I tossed a rock I was holding behind me. I was told that the rock struck a soldier in the head at the exact moment. I said, uh... Well, <laughs> oh, that was fun. I love yelling fire. Apparently, the Redcoats heard that last word, and even with Captain Preston standing in front of them, well, bada bing, bada bang, the Boston Massacre. Oh my god. All in all, I'd have to say it was one of my better parties. Way less people died than usual. So you're the one who yelled fire? You're the one who caused all of this? Eh, more or less. Irregardless of my oopsie-daisy, I will gladly take credit for starting the Revolutionary War. That's not what I meant. You caused a massacre. Kids died, man. No, the soldier who couldn't take a joke started it by striking a child. That wasn't even the first child the British had harmed. A soldier killed a kid a little while before this. I mean, did the apprentice antagonize the soldier over and over again until he snapped? Yes. Had I earlier that day given the soldier a wedgie and a wet willy, obviously I did, and I obviously did not get caught. 
Is it a good idea to hurl insults, rocks, oyster shells, and glass at a group of armed military personnel who are pointing their guns at you? Probably not, but those were different times. People barely knew how to read. What are you talking about? Men and women could both read and write back then. Yes, but they couldn't read emotions like that of the Redcoats. Emotional intelligence wasn't invented until 2019. That... Uh, that argument carries weight, I guess. The first part, at least. But, like, you still threw a rock and yelled fire from behind a group of armed soldiers. I was drunk! Is that not a valid excuse anymore? It was never a valid excuse. Fine. Well, then, the soldiers should have known better than to shoot into a crowd, especially while Captain Preston was standing there. No one is denying that it was a terribly unfortunate event. I myself lost my dear friend Crispus in that mess. However, it did arguably make him the first martyr in the American Revolution. So, uh, a notable death, I would say. I guess, but you still started a riot, got your friend and other people killed, and got away with it. Well, when you put it that way, it sounds like a travesty. It was a travesty, dude! You say travesty, I say the spark that lit the fire of America's rebellion against goddamn King George. Listen, I mourned the loss of each person killed in the massacre, especially Crispus Attucks. Those goddamn redcoats didn't have to fire their guns and were outright fools for doing so, even if they felt threatened. As soldiers, they should have, one, known the sound of Thomas Preston's voice over mine. It was very nasally. You'd love him. And two, they simply should have had their wits about them enough to just go inside or run away. Besides, if it makes you feel any better, Boston as a whole was found at fault by the colonial courts thanks to Mr. No Monument and America's second president, John Adams. He believed in both the power of the people and that justice should be indiscriminate and that the truth should always prevail. I'm just glad I never got caught. I could have been hung. Can you imagine a world without me in it? A world without America. Terrible place indeed. That's the real moral of the story. Always run when you've done something wrong so that you can live to create mischief another day. That's a terrible moral. Yes, but it is a moral, and you said I had to have one in my show. It's on you for not specifying in my contract what kind of morals. Yeah, but a moral is... moral. Yes, but the tenets of morality are debatable. The British thought they were morally right for oppressing the colonists, and we thought we were morally right for rebelling against that oppression whenever we could. It is always morally right to push back against those who oppress. And I mean actually oppress. None of that, uh... You're trampling on my rights for making me wear a mask inside Costco kind of shit. Rebel against unfair voting laws. Rebel against officials and corporations standing in the way of climate change. Rebel against the oppression of who you are as a person, whether you're black or brown, gay or trans, an immigrant, a woman. Always fight back against the oppressor, which in the cases of all of those I just mentioned, seems to be white men. And that's what the revolutionists did. Fought back against white men. No, it, that's, that's not the same. It's technically the same. No, it's not. The overwhelming majority of you were white dudes back then. Okay, fine, you got me. We were the whitest of white. We even whitened our wigs. My wig was so white it was almost translucent. I even blinded a British colonel once. Weren't white wigs for military officers and judges? Yes, and like General Washington, I served in the British Army for a time. Before they pissed me off, that is. I was also a high-ranking spy in the Revolution, and am a pretty judgy person, as it is. But my point still stands. We did rebel that day, and it wouldn't be for the last time, either. 
let me tell you about a certain tea party I attended in 1773, and it's not the one you're thinking about. So it's not the Boston Tea Party? Okay, maybe it is the one you're thinking about. How about we save this one for next time? All of this talk about tea is giving me a craving for coffee. Not tea? God, no. Never touch the stuff. But I will be damned if the American people are going to be taxed for it. You know we have taxes on tea now in some states, right? And, like, taxes on everything else, basically? Maybe you do, but remember, I don't do the whole tax thing. Just don't tell the IRS. They won't hear this, right? They might. Shit. I owe so, so much. Over 260 years of back taxes at least. I guess I'll just have to start a revolution. Which would be against myself. Hmm. I am in a pickle. I'll need time to figure this out. Should take about, oh, two weeks. Until I do, you can listen to all episodes of America the Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, and Shway Media, or on the podcast app of your choice. I will be back in your ears again soon, America, to regale you with more tales from the greatest story ever told, my perspective of the American Revolution. Good night and good fight. I will see you next time on It's America, the podcast. This has been America, the podcast with me, Thebidias A. Starred, the embodiment of an only hope for America. Tim is also there. You can catch my very important show every week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Shway Media, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on one of those fancy apps while you're at it. I command it. You can also hear the show and access more content at americathepodcast.com. And don't forget to watch Rapid Fire News and other segments every week on TikTok and Instagram at americathepodcast. You can also find the show on Facebook and Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. And now to contractually credit the people who helped me make this show possible, i.e. put it on the internet. America the Podcast is a Shway Media original podcast. Writers for the show include me, Sabadias A. Starred, Tim Philippi, Alana Matos, and Michael Sizemore. The executive producers for the show are Alana Matos and Tim Philippi. Sound design is by Tim Philippi, and all dialogue is recorded in Shway Media Studios. All research and fact-checking for the show was performed by Michael Sizemore and Tim Philippi. A full list of research sources for this season of America the Podcast is linked in the description of each episode. The America the Podcast theme song is by Timmy Two-Step and all other supporting audio heard in the show was procured through audioblocks.com, freesound.org, and ambientmixer.com. A full list is linked in the description to this episode. That's it. Go on now. You hear? This has been a production of Shway Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shwaymedia.com. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. 
Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.